the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic, home of the instant draft analysis from steals and reaches to grading and futures. And of course, I'm sure 2022 <laughs> draft big boards, which are starting to filter out into social media as we speak, because why not? We're 48 hours removed from 2021, so let's turn the page. Um, plenty to look at, of course. The NBA postseason is ramping up. The NHL regular season is winding down. And Connor McDavid is a superstar. And that's certainly part of the focus on TheAthletic.com this morning. TheAthletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, gets you 40% off your first year subscription today. Scott, before we uh, dive into a bunch of numbers here, Initial reactions to the NFL draft. Rounds one through three were, were really good. Four through seven, uh, it, it's a <laughs> it's running through the mud. Feels like it just goes on forever and ever, and it's never going to end. And it you know it starts at noon and ends at six thirty, almost seven o'clock. So um, I, I get it. It's made for TV. They run through all their highlights of all their players, but um, yeah, day, day, day three is kind of hard to get through with, uh, the pace. Yeah. I don't even watch. It's, uh, it's a work off of Twitter day for me where I'm just kind of keeping up with the picks one by one and getting them in as much as possible. So it's an evaluation period for us, of course, now, and, and look, we can have the discussion about should they shorten it, but uh, honestly, the UDFA situation is already such a circus. I can't even imagine adding a hundred more people to that pool. You know what I mean? If you if you chopped off two or three rounds, like like some people have projected over the past couple of seasons, and really what many of the other drafts have done, the other leagues have done, um, I can't imagine that's in a real discussion, because no, especially with like I just said, it goes from twelve to six thirty. That's advertisement. You get the random people middle of a Saturday, right? Yeah, you, you, they jump on, they see it, it's live content that they don't have to fill with something else. I, I get there's a lot of production and research and everything like that, but from the financial side, from the advertising, I mean, that's six to seven hours worth of advertising that they're able to bank for day three. So, Not to mention this, you know, we're going to get into some of the UDFA numbers here. It's a pretty good chunk of players now that not only make rosters, but play, start in this league, that you know start from the undrafted position and find themselves out in the field week one. Um, if you expanded that, two things happen. Number one, players can kind of load up. Or excuse me, teams can kind of load up here because this isn't a, I have to draft you to get you. It's, I just got to outbid another team or I've got to have a better marketing pitch or sales pitch Somebody like the Chiefs, you know, contenders right now, Chiefs Bucks, they could be marketing the heck out of the fact that they're they're going to be playing in January, and if you want to come in on a twenty thousand dollar bonus, we'd love to have you. It would be you, you'd lose some parity in terms of what you know. Bad teams get better through the draft. If you shorten the draft rounds and you allow UEFA's just to pick where they want to go, a teams can load up. The good teams can continue to load up, and B. All of those players are on these absolute minimum contracts. Well, like I said, ten seven thousand dollars bonuses for for most of these players. That's not good for the league. 
if you've got 10 starters, you know, maybe an average of eight starters per, per team playing on a, on a vet on, on a rookie minimum contract with a, you know, a, a chump change signing bonus, the rookie wage scale is in place to sort of make sure that there's, there's at least a two to three year grace period where, where those players are paid somewhat well and, and being drafted has value to it, to them, right? The actual financial value to them. So I don't think it's a situation that they're going to touch. And your, your point is probably the most important point. I'm thinking more of from a player perspective, but you're, uh, you're thinking league perspective in terms of advertising and, and, and live television, which is probably the most I'm- important discussion. Yeah, and I, I'm curious to know from a, a player slash agent standpoint, when you start getting into the late seventh round, would you rather be drafted and get an eighty thousand dollar signing bonus, or would you rather go and it's a four year contract, or would you rather go undrafted and get a fifteen thousand dollar signing bonus, but it's three years? So if you are one of the um, few that make it to a roster, you only have three years and then you can become a f- un- unrestricted free agent a year sooner than that. I think the majority late. would, would, would assume not take the 40 grand and be taken by the jets in the seventh round versus I'm going to find the best fit possible. And if that mm-hmm. means 15 grand, you know, if I'm cutting myself off of 20, 25,000 just to be able to pick my team, it's about where do I think I can stick, you know, and that's the ultimate right. most important goal for these players. So, uh, yeah, you know, your fringe draft draftees are, are going to ra- rather be EDFAs, in, in my opinion, rather than be in the 200s, 250s. But for the most part, being drafted comes with a lot. It's something you can say happened. It's a resume builder. You know, if, if somebody gets re- released out of a sixth round draft contract this year, they were drafted. So now they're, they're bouncing around other organizations trying to find work. They kind of have that as clout. They, hey, this team thought enough of us to take us take me in the sixth round. Let's look at the tape. There must be something on this kid. So, you know, it, it does hold some weight, but you're right. It's not going to get shortened for a lot of reasons. Do, do you happen to know if, being drafted versus undrafted has any added benefits outside of the financial signing bonus and higher the minimums and that kind of stuff. Do they get any more benefits as far as health insurance or anything like that outside of a UDFA? Yeah. Not until you make the roster. Yeah. It's about accrued seasons really. So it's even more, that's even another reason to be able to pick your roster and try to weasel your way onto one of these week one rosters because you get yourself in a situation where you can accrue a season. Now, now it's big time business. Now the pension starts, the retirement right. fund starts, the health benefits kick in, things like that. So, it's it's a tough slide. But as we're gonna as we're gonna show at the uh, later on in the show, there's um, there's some pretty good numbers for these undrafted players. Let's first talk about what did get drafted. You know, the two fifty nine this year. Um, I don't want to analyze so much because I'm sure that's what 99% of other sports shows are doing right now or will be doing tomorrow. Um, let's just talk numbers here. Let's just kind of recap this from a, from a math perspective, Scott. Uh, positions, you know, we kind of start, we kind of mentioned this after the first round and it kind of stuck. It didn't, it, it's almost exactly the conversation we had Friday after Thursday night's first round in terms of it's about catching the ball, it's about stopping others from catching the ball, and it's about putting the quarterback on its butt. 
and Correct. stopping the quarterback from getting put on his butt. Your top <laughs> yes. four positions are cornerback, wide receiver, defensive end, and offensive tackle. And I don't think that would surprise anybody. That's that's no, about what it all. generally is. Now, defensive end is kind of loose. Many of these players are now being designated as edge. So there, you know, some of these may slide into an, an actual outside linebacker role, depending on what kind of system that they've been drafted into. So linebacker, we had 23 linebackers designated in, in the draft. You know, that may be 26, 27 at the end of the day when we find out the actual true positions. But, you know, 54 edge rushers, give or take, 50 edge rushers were taken. So that's uh, that's going to lead the day, no question. And it was a good class for it, too. And, uh, you know, let's look at the bottom of the positions. Does it strike you at, at all that a kicker and a punter were taken? How about two long snappers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not surprised with a kicker and a punter because we've seen that. But, it, I mean... I, if I talk about UDFAs, you know, oh yeah, fifty-two of the or fifty-seven of the starters from week one last year for punter, kicker, and long snapper were UDFAs. Wow! So, <laughs> um, wow! Kind of surprised that the a long snapper was selected in the draft when you could have taken a, a skill player that you. They must have had a high grade on a long snapper. I mean, for those to be down there. Uh, I actually get it. I actually get the long snapper part of it because generally speaking, Scott, those are special teamers too. You know, that, you know, mm-hmm. they may be out there for kickoffs, things like that. So there's, there's a multiverse role to them. There's a little versatility to those kind of players. And I, I'm okay with them kind of getting that out of the way because those, those guys stick. If those guys can play, they stick on rosters for 12, 14 years. I mean, there's sure. not much turnover there if you've got a good one. So locking a long snapper into a four-year contract, I'm fine. I think that's the right move. Whereas, you know, you start to look at the UDFA situation. I'm sure you haven't yet because it's been a cluster. But it's wide receivers left and right and up and down. There's probably 15 to 20 tight ends already signed on rosters. The weapons are out there. And the more visibility we have to these mid-major conferences in college football, you know, you're seeing that there's guys that can catch the ball. There's running backs that can catch the ball. You know, the NFL style weapons are all over the country. And, you know, they're not going to be the top echelon, of course, but they're the perfect candidates to plug and play UDFA wise and give a small bonus to and see what happens. And if they become Mm -hmm. your third or fourth wide receiver this year, as many teams saw last year, that's a that's a huge benefit. That's a huge benefit to the to the roster. So, I, I think rather than waste the sixth or seventh round pick, where maybe there, there hasn't been as much thought process into it, I think by the time the the fifth round is over, Scott, many GMs have turned their focus to let's start lining up UDFAs. You know, this stuff is happening. It's fluid. It's happening throughout the whole week. But it's about okay. We, we're getting a sense of now who is not going to be taken. Let's start allocating our time and our efforts towards what do we have to get done to get this guy and this guy and players that were already on our board. Um, so I, I'm okay with, and, and I don't mean to be discounting the, the, the special teamers like this, but it, it's easier to identify those players and just toss them into the back of the draft when maybe your focus isn't as big as it should be. You know what I mean? I do. So I, I get it. I think it's smart. And I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I could see quarterbacks being 
ha- happening there too. Because you, you kind of have so much tape and knowledge of those players. Okay, you know what? He's not going to be a starter, but maybe we get a six-round guy we can stash in the practice squad and he, he becomes a backup in the league eventually. Let's not even think about it. He's going to be our six-round pick. Bang, I'm on to the UDFA. So it's become it's certainly a huge process. And I give these GMs and the scouts and everybody involved a heck of a lot of credit because there's a lot happening all at once. And it's tougher, of course, in the current times, current landscapes. But um, I'm, I'm certainly okay with it. It's, it sounds like Minnesota got their kicker of their future in the fifth round. Or C- Cincinnati, I think. I believe it was Cincinnati. Sorry. And, uh, you know, they were pretty f- public-facing with that. You know, we have, we have no problems taking this kicker early in the fifth round when nobody else is doing it because this guy is going to be a, a day-one starter for us. And, and that's why we're doing this right now. So no, no problems with it. What do you think about 10 quarterbacks taken? What do you think? Five on the on day one, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, you know, it, I think it's a, clear there was a drop off. It's a drop off, but it it's on par for a year by year basis. Is it? I mean, t- 2017, there were 10. 2018, there were 13. 19, there was 11. Okay. And then 2020, there was 12. So little less than the last few years, but it's on par for the number of quarterbacks. So I, I'm not surprised by that. And and we're seeing the teams that really need a quarterback, they're taking it in the first two rounds and then moving on. Teams that already have quarterbacks locked up are – they either have a – for – all intents and purposes, a viable backup already. And then just drafting a, a quarterback would probably be, you know, their third or fourth option at this point anyways. So. Yeah. It, I, it I think it's it a, it's a little bit telling. I mean, if you just look at the third round and on, and I'm going to actually include the UDFAs in this, there's been four confirmed. Well, not, not super confirmed, not team confirmed, but you know, league confirmed. UDF quarterbacks signed as UDFAs right now. Here's the teams that have either a thir- third rounder or higher plus a, or a UDFA. Minnesota, which drew some eyebrows, third rounder. Houston, which of course drew some eyebrows, third rounder. The Saints in the fourth round. The Colts in the sixth round. Atlanta UDFA, Philly UDFA. I mean, there's purpose with those pit, with those signings slash draft selections. Um, you, you can understand Houston and, and with their current situation and the unknown of it. You can understand Indy after acquiring Carson Wentz. You know who mm-hmm. knows? And they they got a they got a name. They got Sam Ellinger, the kid from Texas, who can really play. Um, and of course, the Saints. Similar. We're we're in a we're in a, a year by year analysis right now in, in New Orleans. Ian Book has been kind of linked to uh, the Saints and, and Sean Payton for quite some time now. He may be a project, a, a real project over the next 12 months to see if he can be the kind of the next iteration of that quarterback. But I think it's interesting the way it all kind of laid out late. I mean, the top five were kind of no-brainers in terms of Lawrence Wilson, Lance Fields, and Jones. But after that, it got really interesting. And you can even throw Kyle Trask in here with Tampa Bay, Scott. Because I, I know everybody's saying Tom Brady is going to play until he's 45, 46, but, you know, Father Time may have a different different plan for him. Who knows what's going to happen, <laughs> you know? So it's good, good work by them, in my opinion, with their second round pick to bring in that the, the, the best second tier quarterback in this draft. And uh, 
somebody that maybe can can soak it all in for a year or two and, and, and see what they have going forward. I'm totally good with that. And, you know, are, are, have, have we been unfair? I'm going to pivot here, Vanya, and you're not going to like it. Have we been unfair to the Packers for doing this? Because isn't that what Green Bay did last year, Scott? Yeah, but that was a first-round pick, too, and they went up for him. Okay. When And the difference is, as we just talked about last time, Tampa Bay is stocked from top to bottom, very deep in every position. They had the liberty to do whatever they wanted to in this draft. And if it was take a quarterback – even if it's a second tier to see where things may go in, in the green Bay Packers situation last year, they were not as deep as Tampa Bay is. They needed some weapons. They needed to fill some other needs. They needed to sort of appease to Aaron Rodgers to be on his good side and, and sort of ammo up and they didn't do so and ruffled some feathers and traded up for a quarterback that we all scratched our heads about so I think it is if it was round two pick sixty two last year. I mean Tampa Bay took Kyle Trask round two pick sixty four this year. Are, are they getting killed this week for it? Do you think? Not not as bad, but I think they their quote unquote grade would be lower because I don't think they were at that point as deep as positionally as Tampa Bay is currently. Okay. I'm not going to justify it. I mean, I've I've said my piece about the Jordan Love and the AJ Dillon picks, which were the top two picks last year. Um, and who knows if either are going to bear out at all for this franchise. They they may sooner rather than later, based on current events. But um, tough times. Yeah, it, it's tough. You can't really go team comparisons at all here. You just can't do it. Every no, team's hard. got their own mindset. Every team has their own situation. And every team evaluates themselves different than we evaluate them from the outside in. Um, the one thing I'll say about this, just from a, from a, like a one sentence analysis of the draft, outside of maybe like a dozen picks, this seemed pretty chalky. I mean, it seemed like the good analysts, the, the you know the people that we kind of trust leading up to this thing, were really in sync with what the, t- the teams were doing. It was a smaller class, you know, not as people, many kids came out because of the the ability to go back for an extra year for for COVID reasons. So it was a smaller class, easier to identify, easier to kind of analysis and maybe rank these players. And it just seemed like we kind of knew exactly what we were going to get for the first 100 picks. And, you know, I don't know if that made it boring, but it's kind of neat that there was this synchronicity between what we were reading leading up to things and then what we, what actually bore out in the actual draft. So, um, you know, not many screwballs, but I guess, you know, Raiders and Cowboys notwithstanding, which certainly <laughs> had the screwball picks and who I'm not going to grade them because we know nothing yet. We know, no, you know, we don't. You know it, the Raiders may have made the best offensive tackle pick in the history of the, of, of the NFL draft. That's not how it's going to be taken this week, but I, I'm not a, immediately grade kind of guy. So we're not going to do that today at all. What kind of trades did we have, Scott? We had 28 total draft day trades between Thursday. Do you know how that kind of ranks, man? Uh, No, I forgot to look and see how that compared. Yeah. Um, It felt less. It it did feel less, especially in, you know, 
day day two started off and there were like five or six trades right out of the gate. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be an interesting day because you know, everyone was, and then it, 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 it tapered off and then getting into day three, there really weren't as many as I expected there to be in comparison to in the past. I mean, I, I've, I remember in the past having to do a ton of trades and, and mapping all of those that I do there weren't as many, if I have to go off the top of my head, as we've had in the past. But with that being said, 28 total draft day trades. There were a lot of trades that were up, a lot of trades that were back. Yeah. Uh, we had a round four pick number 121. No one wanted it because it was traded uh, a total of five times, three <laughs> of which were during the actual draft itself. And this was a pick where... Las Vegas traded it to Miami and then Miami traded it back to Las Vegas and then Las Vegas didn't want it. So it got traded a couple more times there. <laughs> so th that is a, the one pick that stood out that it just it seems like it happens every year. There's one pick that seems to just want to be traded over and over and over again. Um, there has there was only one team that made no draft day trades. Los Angeles Chargers made no draft day trades. Why they would they? It seems like they got the exact guy they wanted every single time. It did. It really did. Um, that's going to be a team. They got better. They got better this weekend. There's no question about it. They got better. And boy, that's a team, Scott, that you and I annually, we look at that roster and we're like, oh, they're going to be better than Vegas is saying. We look every year we say this and then they break our hearts every freaking December. So I, I, Could be different. I'm saying it now in May that, that this is going to be a team that's going to improve. So, you know, something devastating is probably going to happen, but and then uh, another fun fact was we had a draft pick fulfilled from back in 2018 with the Bills Carolina Marshall Newhouse trade. Wow. So three, wow. what, three, four, four years ago, uh, this trade yeah, that's happened. not as common in the NFL as it is in the other leagues, especially the NBA where you're trading way out. But um, right. Yeah, that's something but, that's a yeah, neat I, I, kickback. Yeah, it is because when I when I go through and I update all the mappings, I have to go I go through and I say if a pick was traded or I, and I put the draft pick name in for the slots as we, we map these back. So I have to go back every year to check to make sure I've gotten everything fulfilled. And I kept going back 2018 round set. And it was around seven that was traded back in 2018, which is even crazier. Yeah, it's basically a throw in. Yeah, uh, exactly. Here's some homework for you. What position is most traded for in the NFL draft? Oh, interesting. So, I, I so a that. team moves up and, and, and drafts who? What position the most? Um, teams that added 2022 draft picks via draft yeah. day trades. <laughs> Pretty, look, it, it was kind of like the, uh, the story, the headline coming into the draft because the, the Giants had done a lot of damage in free agency and... and Many people then assumed that that meant that they weren't going to be as aggressive in the draft. And we were right. <laughs> we were, you know, those big names were right. Dave Gettleman finally traded back and he got rewarded for it. What did the Giants get in terms of next year's compensation? They got a first rounder from Chicago, a fourth rounder from Chicago, and a third rounder from Miami. So they have three picks. additional. Yeah, yeah they, those are power picks because that fourth rounder is a pick that could be packaged to move up even more. So right now, 
the Giants are looking at 10 picks in 2022 right now. That's good. And, because, that's, uh, and that's tied with Philadelphia with 10 as well. Well, it's interesting because both could be looking for quarterbacks next year. Yeah, you're right. You know, so there's probably a thought process to it of, you know, we've, we've patched our holes enough. Let's just put this roster on the field, see what we have, and then give ourselves an out next year. Let's give ourselves some ammo to be able to move up. I mean, the Giants having two firsts in a situation where they might have to replace Daniel Jones, that's how you want to do it. That, that's good preparation, quite, quite frankly. It, 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 it absolutely is because if they are anywhere decent and end up with a, let's call it 15 to 20 pick, yeah. and, you ha- and you have two first-round picks depending on what Chicago does, yeah. you, know, you could pack those up, package those up and move up to get your you know, second, third, whatever it may be. And if they are atrocious or end up being not good, and they're that much closer to being at the top of the stockpile. I mean, it, it, it allows for them to have as much flexibility going into 2022 than, than not. And the fact that they are preparing for 2022, knowing if Daniel Jones does not work out this year, we've got this, they're sort of, you know, planning ahead as much as possible. I give them kudos for that because you have some franchises that, and we talk about it, you're in the win now capability the Tampa Bay, Kansas City Chiefs, the Rams, you know, and rightfully so they're in the right now because they have that quarterback or they have those weapons. The Giants, we really don't know what they are. Same with Philadelphia. So the more that they can stockpile in preparation for next year. Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, Philly added a fifth rounder next year via a draft day trade, but they've already got two firsts. Uh, via some movement and they're going to have a third most likely that there's a third first round pick that's conditional for Carson right. Wentz playing enough which all intents he should play enough to to make that condition hit so division rivals could be kind of jousting for a position next year in terms of Philly and, and 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 the Giants and Philly should have the upper hand with three first round picks so it, it may be a tough year for Philly this year and you might have to just suck it up but there's a there's plenty of draft ammo coming and, and and cap space too. I mean, they're taking a lot of dead cap right now in 2021 to be able to kind of open up the uh, open up the window next year. So it'll be a fun year for Philly, quite quite frankly. And I know it's way out, but are there? Have you heard rumblings of how the quarterbacks in college coming into the 2021 season? are even panning out. I know there's a Joe Burrow in there. That's going to go from zero to that's what we're going to need because right now it's a, it's a lesser class than this year and there's no slam dunk from what I've been reading. So we're going to need one or two of these players to just take gigantic step forward into, in the 2021 college football season. And that always happens. You know, there's too much, there's too many eyeballs and too many, people that have to write headlines. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're going to create a superstar out of, out of that class somehow. But I don't know if there's going to be, you know, five, six teams vying to go up to one, two, and three like there were this year. Yeah, th- and that's a good point. And also, so many things can happen. You know, we've been talking about Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, some of these these marquee quarterbacks yeah. that can't necessarily be traded because of contractual. Kirk but Cousins, you wait a throw year. it in there. Yeah. 
you wait a year and then it's it's a little bit more feasible to make a trade. So you may have, if it ends up being not a great quarterback situation, the Giants could keep those two first rounds. Philly could keep those two first rounds, take an offensive line, take a weapon, do whatever they need to make a possible trade or use those to trade for sure. you know a Russell Wilson or any of those kind of guys. It, it buys them time is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's right. I do think that's right. And I wonder, uh, we're kind of analyzing here, so I I apologize, but I wonder if what the Raiders did this year, because it was very, very, you know, built to the trenches, kind of traditional, you know, boring, but you can't go wrong when you're doing offensive line, defensive line, edge rushers, which is what they did plenty of. It, it It is a walk year for Derek Carr. There's no question about it. And, uh, the, the, you know, the rumors could be true. They could end up extending him week six if he has another great year. Statistically speaking, he's had some nice years. That's also one of those teams that was on Russell Wilson's list. That was one of the five. And of the other four, five, you know, the Chicago's and those other teams, they all kind of addressed their quarterback situation. You know what I mean? The I Raiders do. did not. The Raiders are slow playing this thing, and they're going to run Derek Carr back out there, which that's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But... Of those teams that are kind of in the running or, or somewhat in the running for Russell Wilson in 2022, the Raiders may be the best poised for it to be able to just move on, you know, similar to what San Francisco is is living through with Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, maybe they end up going to the draft like, like San Francisco did this year. But if not, is Aaron Rodgers interested? Is Russell Wilson interested? You know, is that a way that those teams can go? So maybe it's, it's about the teams that didn't do a lot this year that we have to start that- to identify, you know? And that is a great point because Seattle does not have a first round pick next year. So yeah. if if they can get a first round pick and trade or do whatever they need to and move on. Uh, yeah, let's right. run through this quick because there's a, there's a couple teams that have two. It's so Detroit has two. The Giants have two now. The Jets have two from that Seattle trade. Philly has two, which should be three. And then teams that don't have one, Chicago, which is interesting because they were on that Russell Wilson list. What do you, yes. you know, but Justin Fields all but put a nail in that coffin, not, not just because he's there, but because there's no first round pick next year. Uh, the Rams don't have one because of Stafford. The 49ers don't have one because of the Mac Jones, or excuse me, <laughs> the Trey Lance trade. And Seattle doesn't have one because of the Jamal Adams trade. So uh, it's a really interesting way to start the off season and, and maybe start to think about looking forward as to what these teams could be this year and could be for the next few years. Because not having a first, look at Houston. Houston has had nothing but bad luck here, no question about it. And because of some trades, maybe some overpaying in trades, we can talk about it if you want. Let's let's flip the draft pool, Scott, and let's start with the Houston Texans. What did, what do the Texans have to pay from a top fifty one standpoint to sign all of their draft picks from the twenty twenty one draft? Yeah, I mean, if all of them hit seven point three million, but top fifty one drops them to no, no. Sorry, I, I didn't label this properly. Sorry, seven point three is what their their current cap space is. Oh, they, they, okay. they actually have a projected seven million plus of cap space to work with, which is going to be plenty to sign their draft pool of seven hundred and twenty two thousand dollars. That's what their top fifty. They had three picks, and they're all lower round picks. So from a yeah. top 51 standpoint for the rest of the offseason, that's all it's going to cost them to cover their whole draft pool. 
So that's what happens when you make three, four aggressive trades and, and basically include all of your top 100 picks. And they, they would have loved to have something high up there, I'm sure. But, you know, they're stuck. That's a stuck and, organization. And it shows in this because I track from the date, from the start of the draft until the end, how much cap has moved. And Houston started with $6 million with eight draft picks. They ended up with $4 million of cap with five draft picks. Yeah. So they, they reduced their total cap uh, for draft pool by $2 million, probably rightfully so. To move they, up? They to move up or to move out and get picks for next year? Are they part of the 2022 a- added picks? I don't believe they are. No, no they, they were not. They were just moving back yeah. to have lower lower picks. They did they did send 122 uh, to Carolina, yeah. a fourth rounder. So that's one pick that got moved off of their books. But then the others were just trading back and they reduced their cap by that draft pool cap by 2 million, which is the, from a quick scan, the most of all of the teams. Don't you think that team has to trade Deshaun Watson if, and when it becomes possible? I mean, they're literally patching themselves back together with 35 free agents. That's their plan because they just don't have the draft as an option right now, but that's just no way to build a team. That's just you just don't do it that way anymore. You know what I mean? These are these are one and done players that they've they've added. It'll get them through the year, and, and I would imagine Watson Watson sticks as a Texan this year. I don't know if he's going to play, but it probably won't work out that they can move him this summer. You know, knowing as little as we do right now, but my gosh, come next March, he's going to be the Stafford trade, right? It's going to be that late February leading them to the league year. All right, we've we've got suitors. We need three firsts to kind of <laughs> replenish our pool here because we, we, we've been able to use the draft at, at, not at all, right, to kind of replenish our roster. So I just think that knowing what we know now, he's not long for that, for that team. So also interesting for teams like the Giants and the Eagles who maybe – you know, one and done yeah. with one and done with their current quarterback. <laughs> we're we're gonna be in the same boat we are. as we yeah. this year with you can't quit the quarterback so conversation, Scott. It won't go there's away. Gonna, especially once the the season starts, there's we're, we're gonna be back at you know ten to fifteen quarterbacks that we're gonna have going to different teams just because yeah. either rookie guys aren't gonna work out or the trades that we've already listed four or five guys off to the top of our heads already. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. I mean and, look, you, know. you can just talk about it quickly, right? I mean Arizona's probably good. Maybe, maybe. Who knows what happens with Kyler here? The Matt Ryan conversation's not going away. I mean he's he'll be easier to move off from next year. So that'll be back in focus. I imagine Lamar's safe, Josh Allen's safe. Sam Darnold, I don't care if yeah. they exercise that option. It's not safe. If he doesn't play, he's not safe. Um, you know, Dalton will probably be out of Chicago at that point. So it'll be Justin Fields' team. Same with Burrow. Baker seems safe. Dak is certainly safe. Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater? Nope. Neither. Neither are safe right now. Both are on one-year contracts, if that. Uh, Jared Goff? Nope. I, I realize it's guaranteed next year, but they will move off if they don't like it. They will Especially move they off. Especially two, and they have two first-round picks. Correct. They will move off. Of course, Aaron Rodgers, not safe. Deshaun Watson, not safe. Carson Wentz is Jared Goff, not safe. Even though there's guarantees in 2022, they will move off. The quarterback is too powerful now. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, safe. Patrick Mahomes, safe. Carr, absolutely not. Herbert, safe. 
Stafford probably safe for one more year, in my opinion. Tua, no way. They they tried to get rid of them this year. <laughs> they tried this year, and uh, they will be in on on the veteran trades if possible in Miami. Cousins is fully guaranteed, but man, if he doesn't have an above average year, you're going to start to hear the uh, the youth start to rise in Minnesota to get to get rid of this kid. Um, Mac Jones safe. Who knows in New Orleans? Daniel Jones not safe. Zach Wilson safe. Jalen Hurts not safe. Ben not safe. Trey Lance safe. Russell Wilson questionable. Brady guaranteed, so I guess safe. Tannehill guaranteed. And then Washington needs a quarterback. It's half the league at least. At Maybe least. 60%. That's in three minutes. We just assessed that. So, all right. Uh, what other draft pool situations kind of stand out for you, Scott, in terms of what teams have to deal with the rest of this summer? Mm-hmm. The the Jets added cap of their draft pool in the overall total um, with trading up. They added a pick there, so they had they can afford it. Picks. They've got twenty eight million in change still of space, so they they're about adding bodies, which I'm all for. I just didn't like what they did, but I got to give it time. The the Saints reduced their cap draft pool by one and a half million dollars, which you know that's that's important to them. Sure. Every do- dollar is important to the New Orleans Saints. Um, the Chargers, like I said, Chargers made no trades, so they stayed cap zero for their draft cap. Which you know, if that works for them, great. You know, if they didn't have to give up any picks next year, uh, they they. they they liked who fell to them. They didn't have to go up or down. Um, Carolina added $1.8 million. They added three draft picks. They started with eight and went up to a total of 11. So that tells you they were working the phone. That owner is aggressive. Get- that owner is – he's going to be fun if they can win because well, and they're aggressive. That, that also tells you – we know that not all draft picks work. So they were trying to acquire as many draft picks this year so you can throw a dart and you hope – as many stick as possible. Yeah. That's how I see that. Yeah. 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 Um, how about Atlanta, Scott? Added. Added draft pool. Yeah. One of the lowest cap space teams in the league with conversations being had about trading Julio Jones. That's not going away now. That's not going away. If they like the majority of their draft picks, they're going to have to do something. And we talked about it last show, you know, extend a couple players, restructure a player like Julio or, or ship Julio out of town just to make it all fit. They are they are not cap neutral right now. Let's put it that way. So that that's interesting to me. Um, you know, the Bears, it, it was kind of a blessing in disguise that they went up for fields and forfeited some picks because they, uh, they're they the lowest cap space team in the league, according to our data. And to be able to shed some of the back-end draft pool and get a quarterback, maybe, maybe the best quarterback in this draft, who knows how it's going to play out, I think that's a good calculated risk on their part. And they got a, an offensive tackle that fell into their lap in the second round, which many people thought shouldn't be there. Their you know, quick grading, on-the-fly grading, I said I wouldn't do. That team did pretty well the first couple of days in terms of maybe being able to turn things around and maybe being able to keep some of the veterans around for the next few years and compete in a division that could be turned, up, turned upside down here soon. If Aaron Rodgers leaves, if Kirk Cousins is thrown out of town, 
who knows what that division is going to look like. You know, Jared Goff probably doesn't scare too many people in in, uh, in Chicago right now in terms of Detroit. So the Bears have a chance to be kind of like the 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 best of the worst in that division and sneak themselves back into the playoffs and maybe make some noise. I, I think they probably are pretty happy with where they are standing right now. I, I would completely agree because if you fast forward to 2022, A, you don't know if Aaron's going to be there. B, you don't know the situation with Kirk Cousins yep. and, uh, you know, Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Knows what and you don't have a first next year now. So you got to go out and win this year. It's an all win this year because you have to be able to attract some free agents and uh, kind of right. prove. Well, I mean, <laughs> if they don't win, it's going to be new coach, new GM. But it, I mean, let's be fair. That may, that probably should have happened this year in, in many people's eyes. So it's a. Uh, Everybody's running on a one-year tender there right now. There's no question about it. And uh, I thought that the the at least the first couple of moves in the draft really kind of pushed them in the right direction, in a positive direction. All right. Anything else kind of stick out for you, Scott? College-wise, Alabama, Ohio State at the top, Georgia next. It's all big schools. Notre Dame had a lot of time. Let me tell you who had a lot of love after doing not only the draft work, but the UD, some of this UDFA work to start. Texas Tech seem to have a ton of, 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 of names being thrown out. Um, Pittsburgh, who I don't remember being good last year, and I, I admittedly didn't watch a ton of college football, ton of draft picks and, and even more UDFAs coming on, on, on board. That's a, that's a name I didn't expect to see so much of. And, you know, we made fun of it all year, but there's a lot of Pac-12 love that happened over the weekend, and it's continuing to happen. Because they had, you know, they made some bad choices possibly with the COVID situation. But when they got themselves on the field, they ended up having some pretty darn good teams out there. And I think enough videotape to, to, to really kind of show that, hey, we've got NFL players on these teams and it's time for them to move on. That's what we saw a lot of for sure. Um, anybody else in terms of the colleges? Uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan isn't working out, but Michigan's still pumping NFL players, Scott. Eight drafted yeah. players from Michigan. Yeah, yeah, that that is a great point. Uh, you know, it's pretty standard here. I'm running the last three years of college just to see overall. And let's see what we've got. Spoiler, it's going to so, be Alabama. <laughs> yeah, Alabama's at 30. In the last three years, 19, 20, 21, now that we have 21 in here, Alabama has 30. Ohio State has 29. Louisiana State, so LSU, 24. Georgia, 24. Michigan, 23. Wow. Notre Dame, 21. And then Florida, 20. So you've got, in the last three years, you've got what seven colleges that have 20 or more draft picks. So... Yeah, and that's not going to change. That's not going to change. Not, no, and that's no, one that's of the not, reasons you're going to hear a lot more about this break off and should the Power Five conferences just kind of do their own thing and become an academy for the NFL, which they are, they already have been. So right. <laughs> that conversation I mean, is not going away. When when every other pick, it seems like, in the first round is an Alabama, You know, if, if you are a premier five-star recruit and you look at these numbers. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. You, you you should be targeting at least these top five schools because they're they're churning out draft pick after draft pick. Yeah. Uh, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, and LSU, Georgia right now. Uh, who knows what the Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, but they're pumping out, like you said, they're pumping out 
23 draft picks over the last three years. So something is working as far as that to get guys from. And the transfer portal stuff, Scott, is going to make it all even the more powerful because, I mean, if you think about Tua and Jalen Hurts, right? Just the fact that they were tied to Nick Saban at one point and then transferred to somebody else and then, of course, had some success. Just the fact that they were in Alabama for a cup of coffee made them more reputable to the networks, to the social media feeds. Their names started to get out there more and more. And now, because you can transfer every year basically for free, why wouldn't the, you know a top five running back have a cup of coffee with Alabama before moving on somewhere else or, or wherever it's going to be? Especially it's like, if it's a you're, machine. Especially if you're playing that the, the business game of yeah. I'm going to redshirt freshman or yeah. go for my sophomore year. And I know I'm never going to be a starter, so I'm going to flip to another college, be the premier starter, but have that Alabama blood sure. of Nick Saban in me as a background. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense if they're playing that game. Yep, it's a resume builder for sure. Let's flip to UDFAs real quick, the undrafted free agents, which is the mess that we're in for the rest of the week here, unfortunately. Um, and by the way, our free agent tracker does have a UDFA portion, so you can filter by UDFAs and you will see a gigantic list of mostly minimum contracts with some small bonuses and small guarantees. And certainly as that information becomes available, I will update those accordingly. But um, generally it's about 10 to 12 per team that are signed. And like I said, it's a lot of weapons, a lot of depth on the offensive line. You'll see the occasional quarterback mixed in there, the occasional kicker uh, for some competitions in training camp and things like that. But look, this is a real way into the league now. This is no longer like a substitute supplemental option. Um, Scott, give us some of the numbers based on 2020 in UDFAs. Yeah, so I went back and looked at the starters, and there were 177 UDFA starters out of all the positions. So that averages out to about 5.5 players per team that started as a UDFA and that includes special teams. When I remove special teams, meaning no punters, no kickers, no long snappers that drops us down to 120 UDFAs. So that averages out to about 3.75 or about four. If we round up players per team, uh, as UDFA starters, plenty, starters. plenty more on the roster, just actual, actually getting onto the field starter. So almost four per team, non-special teams, almost five and a half with special teams. So there's a, this is a good chunk, and it's a, it's been growing exponentially. It's been growing every let, single year, and it's going to continue to grow because of the financial value you get. And let me let me put an asterisk with that. That is all whether you were in UDFA last year, or the year before, or the year before right. that. So that's not just UDFA's 2020 coming. rosters. Yeah. It's 2020 rosters, right. Top-earning undrafted free agent in the history of the NFL. Everybody should know this by now because he's, yes. in, he's in our television screens every week still for one reason or another. Tony Romo went from zero to a hundred with the Dallas Cowboys. He made himself over $127 million as their quarterback. I love the next one. We've had shows specifically about him. I think he may be done. I think he, I think he may be finally hanging him up, although I think he wants to try, but who knows? Jason Peters, the one-time tight end, converted to Hall of Fame left tackle. <laughs> yeah, that's a great story that you had on... Yeah couple years ago made himself almost 116 million dollars as an undrafted free agent out of arkansas antonio gates one of the best um he'll certainly be hall of fame worthy as a tight end 
71 million dollars earned out of undrafted out of Kent State. Kurt Warner's on this list too, by the way. Yeah, he is. Yeah. There's some there's Pretty, some really nice quarterbacks that have that to, stuck. Tony Romo all time as of right now is 20th even with being an undrafted free agent. 20th all-time earner? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And he's making a lot more talking in front of a microphone right now, too. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, good for him. That was a... Certainly, it's a good story whenever you get guys like this. We're going to have... I mean, we're going to see a lot this a lot with the running backs. There's no question about that. That's going to be the bread and butter of these undrafted free agents who can stick for maybe 10 to 12 years. But... You know, every every now and then we're gonna have a, a quarterback or two sneak in here, and it's because it's really really fun when it happens. So keep an eye on the, the EDFAs that come this hit the hit the rosters this week, and of course any questions about this stuff at Spot Trek on Twitter. Yeah, you made you made reference to running back, so I looked real quick. Top running back undrafted earners: Arian Foster, sure. thirty-seven point seven; Chris Ivory. Uh, 22.9. Freddie Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, Buffalo Bills, uh, $18.4 million. And then number four, Danny Woodhead, number five, CJ Anderson. So you've got some really well-known names undrafted that, I mean, have contributed to multiple teams and, you know, made some pretty good coin as a running back as undrafted. No question. All right. It's, uh, it's UDFA time this week. And then Honestly, it's going to become cap casualty week as well. Now the teams kind of know what they have in front of them. It's, a, it's evaluating internally. What do we have? And for some of these teams, especially the ones with, with the least amount of top 51 cap space, maybe you can restructure a couple more contracts and add some more void years and see what you can get out of it. But I do think that there may be some minor trades and some you know above average releases over the next couple of weeks here as teams get themselves in financial shape and formulate their rosters for mini camps and, and, and upcoming workouts. So it's a, uh, it's a never ending cycle. And unfortunately now there's going to be some tough business to follow this draft selection. So good, good stuff by you, Scott. We'll be back in a few days with uh, the next version of this. Sounds good. All right. Keep it, keep with the athletic, the athletic.com slash spot track, get you 40% off anytime for the first year. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.